Koinonia, a place of encounter with the Holy Spirit and transformation by the principles of God's kingdom. Father, we love you. Father, we bless you. Thank you for the gift of your presence. Thank you.
just let wash it rise from your spirit to God tonight. We wash it. celebrate this king of glory the God that is doing great and mighty things in our midst hallelujah amen we acknowledge that it is God doing all these things but he's using a man can we celebrate our father celebrate you know, John chapter 1 and verse 6 said, There is a man sent from God. In case you're making mistake who the man is, his name is mentioned. For us in this place and in this dispensation, his name is Joshua Selman. Please, can we celebrate the vessel that God is using to bless us? Apostle, who want to say once again, as a house inside outside and for the thousands following online I want to tell you once again that we love you we are grateful for the price you've paid to do these great and mighty things in our lives a lot of us know where our lives would have been but for your obedience thank you can we say thank you apostle, thank you, apostle. amen please celebrate our daddy prof mary his wife is not around. Hallelujah. Amen. Celebrate Pastor Jimmy and his dear wife. Hallelujah. Koinonia, can we celebrate all the heads of departments? The escorts of departments. The members. People making things work. So that you can come and be blessed. Hallelujah. Now help me celebrate the person sitting close to you as you take your seat very briefly tonight. Praise God. It's a great privilege once again for me to bring God's word tonight. And I'll not be doing this alone tonight. I'm only like John the Baptist preparing the way. 
I'll just do a very little and brief introduction and then Pastor Jimmy will come up and bless us mightily tonight. So all I'll be doing for the few minutes I'll be here is an introduction. Amen. So please pay attention to the introduction as you prepare for the main menu. Hallelujah. And tonight, Apostle has asked us to teach on why men fail. Amen. Why men fail. If you have been in this house for a while, I think the word success should become something that has registered in your subconscious because Apostle hammers this again and again and he does not just tell us about success. He gives us the principles that can make us successful. Amen. But tonight we are looking at the other side of success because if success does not happen, then failure is inevitable. Amen. And if you have followed the teachings of Apostle from success systems and similar messages, you will agree with me that success is predictable. That means that success is not mystical. Success is not a miracle as it were. Success is not a thing that happens by chance. That means you can know if your life is going to be successful or not because there are exact formula, exact equations that when they balance you can predict the outcome of your life. In the same way, failure is also predictable. You can know if you are going to fail. A man who fails and thinks that he failed by mistake is a man who was never sincere to himself. Because if you paid attention to every step you have been taking, you will know whether it will lead you to success or it will lead you to failure. So, failure is predictable. I can look at the life of a man and know if that man is going to be successful or not. In the same way, I can look at the life of a man and know whether that man is going to fail or is not going to fail. So, success and failure are both predictable. For success to happen, both God and man have well-defined roles to play. That means that the role of God in making success happen is not confusing. The role of man in making success happen is not confusing. Man cannot play the role of God and God will not play the role of man. So there is like division of labor. Everybody's responsibility has been defined. So when God plays his role and man plays his role, you can predict that success will happen. Similarly, for failure to happen, Satan and man have to partner to make failure happen. Failure does not depend entirely on Satan. Failure does not depend entirely on man. There has to be partnership between God and man for success to happen. There has to be partnership between Satan and man for failure to happen. So that means that the only constant factor in both success and failure is man. So that means that God by himself does not have the absolute right as it were to force success upon your life. So that means man determines whether his life will go in the direction of success or will go in the direction of failure. So God plus man gives success. Satan plus man 
gives failure. So it's not something that you should be confused about. So you can know whoever you partner with will determine the direction of your life. Another thing I want us to note again is this. Neither God nor Satan actually determines the direction of a man's life. Why? Because God is always willing and ready to make you successful, to make you a success, subject to your playing your role. So at any time and any moment you meet God, do you want me to succeed? The answer is yes. Are you ready for me to succeed? The answer is yes. What time do you want me to succeed? When you play your part and you partner with me. So that means that the miracle that will happen tomorrow was not designed to happen tomorrow. It only happened the day you played your role because God is always willing and always ready. In the same way, how do I know that God is always willing? Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11, he said, I know the thought that I think towards you, saith the Lord. And he said, it's the thought of good and not of evil. He said, to give you an expected end. In other words, to make you a success. That is what I'm thinking. But if it has not happened, it's because there is a part of the equation that has not balanced. Amen. Luke chapter 12 and verse 32 Jesus himself speaking he said fear not little flock for it is the father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom that means it's something the father is excited about so if the kingdom is not in your hand it's not because the father is not willing to give it the father is always willing but it will only come to you when your part of the equation is complete amen Satan also is always willing and ever ready to make you a failure. But it also depends on your completing the failure equation. Because in the book of John chapter 10 and verse 10, it said, the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That means you don't see him except there is an agenda to steal, kill, and destroy. In 1st chapter 5 and verse 8, the Bible says that be sober, be vigilant for your adversary, the devil, moves around like a roaring lion and his assignment is that he's looking for who to make a failure. So you don't need to ask whether Satan wants me to fail or not. He, yes, he does. And he wants it urgently, but it depends on your playing, the, putting the finishing touch to the equation of failure. Are you with me tonight? So that means Satan is always there. It does not depend on God entirely. It does not depend on Satan. So man is the only variable that determines the direction of his life. So we are looking at why men fail. What exactly are men doing? Because there is no man you will ask that do you want to fail or do you want to succeed? The answer will be that the man wants to succeed. But day in, day out, man undertakes certain actions that tilt their lives in partnership with Satan to ensure that their lives crash. Many a times they don't know it. But that you don't know it does not mean your life will not go in that direction. Whether you are aware of it or not, as long as the equation balances, your life will go in that direction. So I'm going to share a few things and then Pastor Jimmy will come up and continue and do justice to the remaining. Just a few foundational things that I believe that should be built upon. 
the number one reason I think from my personal experience and from people I've spoken with, first reason why men fail, number one, is that they break the spiritual hedge of protection over their lives. By their hands, they break the hedge. If you ask them what they are doing, they will tell you that is not what they are doing. But we saw it in the book of Job. As thou considered my servant Job, and then he said, anytime I come to this man, I am always willing to ensure that this man crashes. But any and every time I come to this man, I see a hedge that you, Lord, has built around him. So that means that as long as that hedge is intact, there is nothing Satan can do. It doesn't matter how willing he is. In Ecclesiastes chapter 10, I think it's verse 8, the Bible says it is he that breaks the hedge that the serpent will bite. It didn't say he that breaks the hedge will invite the serpent. The serpent has always been around, but there is something that prevents him. He that breaks the hedge shall the serpent bite. Psalm 119 and verse 67, David speaking, he said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. I diagnosed my problem. I knew that certain things were not happening in my life. There was a direction that my life was going. But the moment I discovered that my life turned another direction, I tried to find out what changed. He said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. He said, but now, I've decided to keep thy law. Before I was afflicted, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 7, a scripture that has really blessed me. Now, he said, the King James said, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. This is what the new century version says. He said, The secret power of evil is already working in the world. But there is one, there is one who is stopping that and he will continue to stop it until he's taken out of the way that means that the bible is telling us that the fact that certain things are not happening to you does not mean the power sent from hell to make them happen are not available for example when apostle talks about certain possibilities in his life it's not that satan is not aware of his existence it's not that satan is not aware that he's traveling to come to the road and do certain things. It's not that Satan is not aware of the places he banks. It's not that Satan is not aware of the channels where his finances come from. The Bible says that the mystery, the secret power of evil is already on earth. But there is a system that prevents him. And the Bible says as long as that system is in place, there is nothing he can do. He said, he that let it will let. That is, he that is preventing him will continue to prevent him until that embargo, that limitation is taken out of the way. So that means that if that limitation is taken out of the way, the power can prevail. And then failure happens. So men, by their hands, break this hedge. And then they permit this secret power of evil to rubbish their life. Amen. So how do they do this? I will just give you two. Under this number one, how do they break this hedge? The first way, which is about the most common, is disregard for God and his laws. Disregard for God and for his laws. 
disregard. Remember that the person that put the hedge is God. And the hedge did not come because you prayed for it. The hedge came because you did certain things. So that means if you violate the system that brought the hedge, the hedge will be taken away. Hallelujah. Disregard for God and his laws. There was a man called Reuben, the firstborn of Jacob. In Genesis chapter 49 from verse 1, the Bible says, Gather unto me, ye sons of Jacob, that I may tell you the things that will befall you in the last days. And then in verse 3, if we can have it in the Amplified, in verse 3, he said, Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, by reason of being my firstborn, these are the things that came with you when you were born. You are my might. You are the beginning, the first fruit of my manly strength and vigor. Your birthright gave you the preeminence in dignity. You didn't work for it. Your birthright entitled you to be a man of preeminence, to be a man of dignity. He said, your birthright gave you the preeminence in dignity and the preeminence in power. This is your destiny as designed by God. But I'm about to change it because of something you did. Verse 4. He said, but unstable and boiling over like water, you shall not excel. I am the one carrying the blessing of Abraham and by that office I am empowered to change it. You shall not excel and you will not have the preeminence of the firstborn. Why? Because you went to your father's bed. You defiled it. He went to my couch. You were supposed to be this. But because of this that you did, you will not become it again. When you read First Chronicles chapter 5, when they were talking about the genealogy of Jacob, Bible says Reuben was the firstborn, but because he went to his father's couch, that the right of the firstborn was taken away from him and given to Joseph, such that the genealogy is not reckoned by the order of birth. A man did something that altered his destiny forever. Even after Moses tried to reverse it, we still saw the consequence of that upon Reuben. Reuben, you are my firstborn. The interesting thing about this is, at the time Jacob was doing this, the law had not been given. So which law exactly did Reuben break? Because Paul told us that where there is no law, there is no transgression, isn't it? So that means if there is no stated law, Reuben has not done anything. But I need you to know that the laws of God are older than Moses. The laws of God are older than the old covenant. The laws of God are as eternal as God himself. So whether they were written or not, it does not nullify the fact that they were going to have their toll upon Reuben. Because it took many hundreds of years later before Moses brought the law in the wilderness. Because when you read Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 11, it was clearly stated many years later that a man that sleeps with his father's wife should be stoned to death. So that means years later it became a law. But that it was not a law at the time Reuben did it does not exonerate Reuben from being punished by that law. So the question is which laws are you breaking? Which laws? <sighs> Reuben. I 
Another very good example is the children of Israel. When they were coming from Egypt, they came to a certain territory around the land of Moab. And then the king saw them. He checked what these people have done. He saw what they did in Egypt and he said, Kai, I need a supernatural help to bring down these people. And then Balak sent for Balaam. And then Balaam came. And the Bible says when Balaam came, Balaam asked Balak, raise seven altars. And on each of the seven altars, offer a ram and a bullock. That means the first set of altars, seven bullocks, that's a bull, and seven rams were offered. It didn't work. Raise me another seven altars with the same amount of animals. It didn't work. He raised the altar the third time, making 21 altars. 21 rams, 21 bullocks. If you count it by how much a ram and a bull is sold today, I think per altar they spent not less than 225,000 naira. So for the 21 altars, that is 4,725,000 naira wasted upon altars just to destroy people. And as much as they spent, the Bible says that there was nothing Balaam could do to them. But in the process of Balaam pronouncing those things, we celebrate it as if Balaam wanted to cause and he couldn't cause. But Balaam, as he was saying those things, he was diagnosing to see if I cannot place a curse on these people, is there something I can do? And in chapter 23 of Numbers and verse 21, he said, The Lord has not found iniquity in Jacob. And he has not seen perverseness. On account of that, he said, the shout of the king is in the midst of them. That means that if the Lord can find iniquity, if the Lord can find perverseness. So Revelation chapter 2, Jesus speaking to the church in Pergamos, he said, you have certain people in your midst who hold on to the doctrine of Balaam. What is the doctrine of Balaam? So when Balaam couldn't cause them, he advised the king of Moab. He said, this is what you will do. Place your women along the boundaries so that they can seduce Israel to begin to sleep with your women then invite them to worship your idols when they do that you don't have to fight them their god will kill them and then in chapter 25 of numbers Balak did exactly that and then the bible says that israel joined herself to Baal and without a war god himself killed 24000 people in one day all that they did they didn't pronounce a curse they didn't pronounce what altars could not do. Sin did. Breaking the hedge of protection. He said the hand of the Lord is not short that he cannot save. But there are certain things that limit me. Breaking the hedge. Disregard to God and his law. Hallelujah. The second way we break the hedge is disrespect for God's spiritual hierarchy. God's spiritual hierarchy. Remember Saul, the son of Kish. Bible says one day Saul went to look for his father's house that were missing. 
And then they looked for it for many days and they couldn't find it. And the servant said, I know a seer in this place. Let's go and see the seer. Maybe the seer can tell us where these things are. Saul was so honoring, so to speak. He said, how can I go and see the seer without a seed in my hand? Which man will think of giving a seed to a man of God if he does not honor that man of God? Which man will not say, okay, at least I'm the son of Kish. My father is a wealthy man, so I can just walk to the house of the man of God. He said, no, I have been, thought, I have been taught to honor graces and anointings. If this man is a seer like you said, then I cannot meet him empty-handed. We have exhausted all the resources that we came with. And then the servant said, no, I still have some money with me, so let's go. And confident that he has the seed, went to see the prophet. Is that a man who dishonors the prophet? He went to the prophet and the prophet after so many things told him that it's not just about the ass, you are going to become the king. The day came when they were supposed to anoint Saul. Saul was so humble and timid as it were that he hid himself. He was not even confident to come. But he was anointed. He became king. First Samuel chapter 13. Please give us verse 1. Now he is king. The man who couldn't see the prophet. Saul reigned how many years? One year. And when he had reigned two years over Israel. Please, I want you to be careful when you read the Bible. Because if the Bible said he reigned one year, semicolon. And then said when he had reigned two years over Israel. Why did they give us the information of the one year and didn't continue? That means there was something about that one year that you cannot see here. That means within the first one year of his reign, his head was still correct. So Samuel was still a prophet whose words are laws. Samuel was still a prophet that although king, he can still tremble before. But after one year, when he had reigned two years over Israel, that means he saw that, so this is real. I am actually king. I'm now in charge. Suddenly, he began to do certain things. Go to verse 7. Verse 7. And some of the Hebrews went over Jordan to the land. As for Saul, he was yet in Gilgal. And all the people followed him trembling. There was a battle between them and the Philistines. And the Philistines were threatening them. So look at verse 8. And he tarried seven days according to the set time that who? Samuel had appointed. According to the set time. That means there was a discussion between him and the man who anointed him king. And the man said, you are going to wait for me for seven days. There are certain ordinances that are exclusively reserved for the office of the prophet. And it is when I carry out those ordinances that you can go to war and win. And the Bible says he tarried for seven days according to the appointed time. But Samuel came not to Gilgal. And the people were scattered from him. Next verse. And Saul said, is it only Samuel? Is it not to kill animal? What is then holding a knife? Putting the animal on the fire 
and cutting the neck. It is beyond holding a knife. It is beyond holding a mic. It is beyond being an entrepreneur. It is beyond being a man of God. It is beyond seeing Jesus. It is beyond oil being poured on you. It is beyond what results you get. There are ordinations and elections in the spirit. Your result notwithstanding does not change that hierarchy. And then he said, bring hither a burnt offering to me and peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. Verse 10. And it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end, I think that if Samuel came when he was about to slaughter, he'd say, sorry my Lord, sorry my Lord. So God made sure that Samuel waited till he finished. This happened two years when he became king. For the next 38 years, he was a king without a throne. Because his throne was taken away from him. Because he violated the spiritual order. Watch what Samuel said. At the end of the offering, behold, Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him that he might salute him. Yes? 11. And Samuel said, what hast thou done? And Saul said, because I saw the people scattering. If you read it down, there is no way that Saul apologized. But Samuel said, because of this that you have done, it was the desire of God. It was the desire of God that he should establish your throne forever. But it will never happen again. Like now, the way we have Jesus, the son of David, maybe it would have been the son of Saul. Because that dynasty was supposed to be forever. So for the next 38 years, heaven did not recognize him. Not because he fornicated. Not because he stole, but because he violated a spiritual order. How about Korah, Datam, Abiram? In the book of Numbers chapter 16, one day they came to, to, to Moses. They said, you are taking too much upon yourself. You are making yourself a prince over us. And Moses was angry. He said, ah, me? Me that was hiding that God had to beg to come and do this thing. It's okay. Let God prove who actually he has called. Let God prove. All of you, you will come with your censors. And they were able to mobilize 250 men to join in their rebellion. Give us verse 28. Verse 28 of, num of Numbers 16. Okay, let's read it. Okay. And Moses said, Hereby, this is how you will know. <laughs> It's not by preaching. It's not by people falling under the anointing. It's not even by cancer being healed. It's not even by the miracles. Moses said, this is how you will know that the Lord had sent me. I'm about to, to demonstrate how called I am. It is not by the Red Sea that parted. He said, this is how you will know that the Lord has sent me to do all of this. If this man die the common death of all men he said if they just die as men die I will not be satisfied that means their death should be unique that will consistently pass a message to anybody that wants to rebel after this order he said or if they be visited after the visitation of all men then the Lord has not sent me but if the Lord make a new thing and the earth open her mouth and swallow them up with all that appertain unto them and they go down quick into the pit 
Then he shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord. It is me they spoke against. Why will God go to this land? Let's finish it. 31. And it came to pass. It was Moses that decided how they should die. Not God. And it came to pass as he had made an end of speaking all these words that the ground clave asunder that was under them. 32. And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up and their houses and all the men that appertained unto Koran and all their goods. And then when you read on like that, everything, their houses, their families, everyone went down. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. When you see a man greatly used by God, when you see a man who by election was called into an office, it's not everything he does that comes from Bible studies. It's not everything he does that comes by prayers. There is a special investment by God into that office. That office carries with it all that is needed to demonstrate what that office is supposed to do. When you despise the man, you insult the investor in that office. It is not the man that will fight you. It's the person who invested in it. So we are not all equal. Your ability to recognize and then your willingness to relate with that hierarchy irrespective of what God is doing in your life is what will guarantee that your hedge be put there. Proverbs 30 tells us from verse 12 he said there is a generation that are pure in their own eyes. Verse 13 said there is a generation how lofty are their eyes. Verse 17 the eye that mocketh at his father and despised to obey his mother what will happen to him the eye is the light of the body that means the person's light will be shut down forever just because of this many have gone down because of this especially you are following a mentor the truth of the matter is if I follow Pastor Ejimi for a while he will be a failure if I do not come to a point that I can almost reproduce his results so because I can now reproduce his results and I say ah, Pastor Ejimi I remember those days when Pastor Jimmy used to teach me this, but now see where God has brought us. And um, he's still my girl, but thank God that we are colleagues now. Colleagues? Many of us are making this mistake. You feel you have exhausted mentorship, so you despise the hand that raised you. Do I tell you how you will end? The ravens will pluck out your eyes, and the vultures will eat it. If the ravens only pluck them out, you can pick them and put them back. But the vultures will eat them, digest, and put them away. So there is no hope of restoration. Breaking the hedge. Number two, I think my time is up. Let me just give us a second one and see if I can run. Number two, men fail because of their inability to translate the life of Christ in them into light. Men fail because of their inability to translate or convert, if I may use that word, the life of Christ in them into light. First John chapter 5 and verse 11 he said this is the record that God has given us eternal life 
and that that life is in his son whosoever has the son has life whosoever does not have the son has no life in him but when you go back to John chapter 1 in the beginning was the word the word was with God the word was God the same was with God from the beginning by him was all things made without him was nothing made that was made verse 4 in him was life semicolon and that life was the light of men there are many life possessors who do not have light the life comes into you but it is not life that chases away darkness it is light because God himself I don't know anyone who should have more life than God but God was present and darkness still covered the face of the deep until the life of God became light there was nothing that darkness was going to be afraid of so we have a lot of people born again full of life but darkness is tearing them in the face because they do not understand the mechanism of converting that life they have into light so until the life becomes light darkness will still be around you you will go to heaven no doubt but on earth you will live with that the Bible says in him was life and when that life became the light of men that light shines in darkness and the darkness comprehended not. So the question is this, you have received life has it become light? The life of Jesus you have has the potential to make you wealthy. The life of Jesus you have has the potential to give you a good marriage. The life of Jesus you have has the potential to make you successful in every wise. But the success requires light which are keys and principles that open that exact door. So until the life is converted to the key needed to open the door that you want to open, you can be a life possessor speaking in tongues and the darkness will still stare you in the face. You will die as if Jesus lied to us. He didn't lie. There must be a system. There must be a system of converting the life. The life is in the word. The same was God. And one of the ways, the principal way, Apostle taught us in assessing the deep things of God, and then he taught it again in a witness for the truth. Meditation is one act that is absent in the body of Christ. We know a lot of things that have not become real to us. When you read the book of Acts chapter 10 and verse 19 um, in the Amplified, when Peter saw that vision of the unclean animals coming down, when you read in the Amplified, the Bible says, while Peter was revolving these things in his heart and was meditating, that activity prompted the Holy Spirit to say, this is the meaning of what you saw. So that means the Holy Spirit was not going to say until Peter engaged it through an act of meditation. The same thing with Mary in the book of Luke chapter 1 and verse 29. Bible says the angel came and said, Hail, you that are highly favored, blessed are you amongst women. And the angel stopped and didn't continue. Bible says Mary pondered this thing in her heart. Bible says Mary was revolving these things, they amplified. And because of that activity, the angel now spoke. He said, don't be afraid. There is something I've brought to you. 
Most times God grants us encounters on account of our being born again. But because we do not understand this system of engaging the initial communications of God, we have a lot of experiences of life that light has not come out of. So we become a mockery to ourselves. Why men fail? The last I'll talk about, then I'll be out. Men fail, number three, because of a life of excuses. Men fail because of a life of excuses. Give me Proverbs 22 verse 13. NLT. Can you read it with me? One, two, go. The lazy person claims there is a lion out there. If I go outside, what will happen to me? <laughs> Please give us Proverbs 26 verse 13, the same NLT. Same thing repeated, but now with much emphasis. The lazy person claims, please read with me one to go. The lazy person claims there is a lion on the road. Yes! <laughs> I'm sure there is a lion out there. He is lying down on his bed with a blanket he borrowed and he can tell you that I'm so sure there's a lion on the street. You know, the week of the crisis in Cardinal was in Joss. And then somebody called me. Where are you? I said, I'm in Joss. He said, I hope you are not on campus. I said, I'm on campus. He said, they said they are finished killing people on campus. And I am there. They are finished killing. <laughs> How can you be in the room? See the way he said it. He said, yes, I'm sure. There is a lion out there. Let me define an excuse for you. Should I define an excuse? An excuse is an explanation for failing to do a thing. An excuse is an explanation for failing to do a thing in the absence of which you would have still failed. Why didn't you come for Koinonia? I didn't have transport. If you have transport, you will still not come. Why did you come late for prayer band? It rained. Even if it didn't rain, you will still come late. How many successful people, sir, you have studied successful people, how many of them have written a book, Excuses for Success? It is only people that have failed that give excuses. No success to a successful person, they are called principles or keys of success. To a failure, both of them are explanations, but one is for failure, another one is for a successful person. An excuse is an unconscious declaration to continue failing. So, anytime you give excuse, what you are saying is, I'm not tired of this failure, I want to continue. An excuse is an unconscious refusal to take responsibility. And lastly, an excuse is an unconscious plea for undeserved sympathy. So which of these is responsible for where you are? Are you breaking the hedge? Or you have not been able to access light from the life you have? Are you living a lifestyle of excuses? Bow down your head as we pray in one minute and as we receive Pastor Jimmy to continue with us from here.
Are you praying, people of God? Hold the hand of the person next to you. Excuses are demonic. Status is changing. No more decline. I'm on my way to better days. Sing it prayerfully. Status changing. No, no more decline. I'm on my way to better days. Zekote mareke teleshkata. Status is changing. No more decline. I'm on my way to better days. We're on our way. We're on our way. Very quickly, let's stand up, hold the hand of the person next to you. The first prayer we are going to take, we are going to say, Oh Lord. Anyway, I have unknowingly broken the hedge. Let mercy replace it. Begin to pray. The revelations being shared are not just for information. Some of you know what you have done that has broken the hedge, that has given room for the serpent to strike you. Every broken hedge, the mercy of God rebuilds it. Cry for mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Second prayer we will pray. Say from today, I take responsibility for success in every area of my life. Begin to pray. No more excuses. No more blame game. No more blaming government. No more blaming parents. No more blaming Asu. Zekete 
one and two, and then we'll take our seat. And it shall come to pass that if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all his commandments which God commands this day. By the grace of God, Pastor Alpha shared certain things that are commandments and instructions. And we're going to say that media projected Deuteronomy chapter 28 and we are going to pray you will say that from today from today the commands and the instructions of God set me on high above all begin to pray from today as I pay attention the commands of God set me on high set me on high Walk the word in your life. In Jesus' name, I pray. The last prayer, and then we sit. Every blessing, every blessing from obedience that has not yet entered my life you enter my life now in the name of Jesus as you pray remember every seed you sowed every instruction you obeyed that you are yet to see the benefit in your life command those blessings to overtake you they overtake you today they overtake you today in Jesus name we pray hallelujah take your seat very quickly we'll be praying shortly by the grace of God Pastor Alpha has established clearly that failure is both predictable and avoidable why men fail why men fail the verse that we just read let's look at verse 2 it says there's that all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. I need us to understand that God wants us blessed. God wants us successful. Pastor Alpha clearly stated that one of the things you should realize is that both parties, both spirit entities that can make you fail or succeed are 100% committed. And I need to reiterate it again because if we are not yet successful, if failure is a feature in our lives, then we must take responsibility. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28. God blessed us at the beginning. When he created man and he put Adam in the garden, he said, be fruitful. So you were blessed from the very beginning. Multiply, subdue the earth, replenish it, have dominion. There was no capturing of failure or the possibility of failure in the beginning. From the beginning, failure was not evident. I need us to understand again that after the fall of man, Genesis chapter 9 verse 1, media give us, after sin showed up, after men fell, after wickedness increased on the face of the earth to such a degree that God repented that he made man. Even though God repented that he made man, God never repented that man should be blessed. Genesis chapter 9 verse 1, and God blessed Noah and his sons 
and he let them know that the agenda has not changed again he let them know that you may think that because you are the only ones because you saw my judgment because you saw how that people were knocking on the ark crying for mercy because you heard the sounds of people drowning in the water you may think that i am a wicked god but nothing has changed nothing has changed still be what fruitful so even at the height of gross sin the commitment of god to your blessing the commitment of God to your success cannot change. I bring a word of comfort to somebody today because maybe the devil has made you realize or believe that it is because of the sins you have committed that's why you don't deserve success. That that is why failure is your portion. I bring you a word of hope. Once God concluded on the judgment of mankind, he let them know immediately that I'm committed to your blessing. The Bible says God will see the travail of his son Jesus and that by reason of that travail he will be satisfied. In as much as Satan may want you to feel guilty, I need you to realize that once God sees Jesus on the cross and the finished work of Christ on Calvary, he said let's move forward. Be fruitful. I'm saying this to encourage somebody because some of you guilt has held you bound. Some of you know the hedge you broke. And it is hard for you to approach God boldly. But I'm showing you, I don't think you were as wicked as the sons of, 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 of men during the days of Noah. So if God did not change his mind, mind you, God knew that shortly after this, that there will still be a reintroduction of iniquity. But he didn't change the blessing. He still made them blessed. Be fruitful. So even after sin, even after the fall, even after judgment, success is still an imperative. God is still committed to it. I need you to know Genesis chapter 12 verse 2 and verse 3. Even when he called Abraham, the father of faith, who is our father, the patriarch of the symbol of righteousness through faith, he said, I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great. You shall be a blessing. Verse 2, please. Verse 3. He says, I will bless them that bless you. I will curse him that curses you. And in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Meaning you will be so successful that anyone that associates with you must become successful. Is that not what is happening here at Koinonia? Look at the testimonies of people who said one year, in that testimony, um, he was just calling million, million. I could see that some people could not clap because they, they were not understanding. Sorry, is it million he's calling like this? One year of joining this chariot because God told the apostle, I will bless them that bless you. So when you sow a seed into apostle's life, the Abrahamic covenant is saying, by reason of this scripture, in as much as you have blessed apostle, the covenant of apostle must ensure that you are blessed then the flip side exactly what pastor Alpha was warning us against the moment you curse a man that has a covenant with god that same law will ensure because the word of god is a two-edged sword you see why when you see people insulting men of god and cursing them quietly pack your bag and as he's talking, he said, no problem, sir. I just need to pick this call. He said, no, we are discussing. He said, no, when this course is coming, it will find only you. Only you. Only you. Amen. All the families of the earth shall be blessed. Meaning, 
I'm not even doubting that you will be blessed. What I want to see is how blessed will you be that your blessing can bless everybody. I'm not even saying you will pay school fees. I'm saying how many children will you send to school? I'm not saying you will buy a car. He's saying how many missionaries will you buy cars for? So when he called Abraham, he said, Abraham, don't forget, I still have an agenda. I must let the world know that there is a God in heaven that makes successes out of men. And then if you look again, when he sent Jesus, Romans chapter 8 verse 32, he reiterated it again, that in as much as he has given you Jesus, he spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with Jesus also freely, say freely, say freely, give us all things. House rent, all things. Cars, all things. Influence, all things. Good health, all things. Long life, all things. Meaning once you ask the father for any form of success, he says, if I could give you Jesus, there's nothing I can't give you. The hardest thing for me to give was Jesus. Eloi, Eloi, Lamak Sabak Tandai. It was such a painful moment that the whole of the earth became dark because there had never been a time when the Trinity was not united. But on the cross, for the first time, one member of the Trinity was absent and the whole earth became dark because even creation could not understand. Let us make, for the first time, they looked at the throne and they saw God the Father they saw the holy spirit and jesus the sinner the earth was destabilized earthquakes everywhere he said if i could subject creation to that there is nothing i cannot give you precious saints you need to know that god is still in the agenda of making men a success so why do men still fail if god has not changed his mind why do men still fail and it's very simple I'm saying this because some of you believe erroneously that there is a blessing and a benefit to failure. Look, let's look very quickly at James chapter 1 verse 17. Then we look at Proverbs chapter 10 verse 22. James chapter 1 verse 17. Every good and every perfect gift is from above. Meaning if it came from above, it must be good. If it came from above, it must be perfect. And coming down from the Father of lights, with whom is no vain reableness or shadow of turning it is a turning a shadow of turning meaning that if it is not good if it is not good it cannot come from god can god use it yes did it originate from god no so i want you to know that if failure is captured in your life based on this scripture can it be from god answer me please because if you don't have full conviction if you believe that somewhere along the equation maybe god is responsible the conviction to fight that failure will not be there because you will be believe that you are fighting god very quickly proverbs chapter 10 verse 22 the blessing of the lord it maketh rich and added what shout no sorrow shout no sorrow if it is sorrow is it from god 
He said it in the Old Testament. He said it in the New Testament. By the word of two witnesses, a matter is established. If it is failure, it can't be from God. It is a devilish doctrine to believe that failure comes from God. If it is failure, it is Satan with your participation. So why then do men fail? First Peter chapter 5 and verse 10. I'm saying this so I can balance it out. Because some of you still believe that your calamity, that your failure has the hand of God in it. Look at this. But the God of all grace, say all grace, who had called us unto his eternal glory, the glory that was in the garden of Eden, be fruitful. The glory that Noah, be fruitful. The glory that Abraham, eternal, unchanging. But this time around, by Christ Jesus, if he has given us Christ Jesus, there is nothing else he can give us. After that, he has suffered a... Suffered a... Suffered forever. Suffered indefinitely. Suffered a... Why? The Bible calls it light affliction. Light affliction. Not horrible affliction. Make you what? Make you what? Make you what? The purpose of little suffering is perfection. Not little suffering to stay there. Not little. I always say Job did not die where he was. And it couldn't have been too long because the same wife gave birth to three other daughters for him. Yes or no? So Job's suffering could not have. In fact, chronologically speaking, they say that Job's affliction was nine months. How long does a man have on earth that you will suffer for 20 years? What is left of your life? A while make you perfect, established, strengthen, and do what? Settle you. Settle you. So why then do men fail? I personally believe, according to the things that Pastor Alpha has taught, very cogent, very apt spiritual truths that must be heeded but i personally believe that the very first reason why a person will fail is because of lack of recognition desire or responsibility men fail simply because men have not decided to succeed Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19. Let's see it very quickly. Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19. I call heaven and earth to record what he say this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, success and failure. Therefore, in view of this, choose what? That thou may live and your seed forever. Listen to me, precious seeds. God says that there was a specific day that he placed life and death before you. Yes or no? Success and failure before you. I want to ask, how many people know the specific day that they chose that they would never fail? It's what I'm saying making sense. You know your birthday. You know when you got born again. You know when you got married. How many believers know the day that they say, me and failure. Have you had a boss who say that me and poverty, I waved it goodbye, it waved me back. Yes or no? He knows the day. He knows the specific day 
that him and poverty they had a round table discussion I said you see there are 7 billion people on the earth as for me bye bye many Christians know when they got born again many Christians know when they had encounters with God not many believers know the day that they said as for me I will die a success many hope many wish many desire many plan but not many believers can tell you that on this day I waved failure goodbye meaning after that day any form of failure they experienced they took it as a temporary anomaly that must be corrected you understand what I'm saying so anytime they experience failure they say ah, what are you doing here you're not supposed to be here the proof is your response to failure shows me whether you have waved failure goodbye when you accept failure as a life partner it will show in the way you behave have you ever seen when they are trying to kill a goat or kill a chicken it dies fighting yes or no the proof that you have waved failure goodbye is at no point do you ever come to a place where you say oh i've tried i say it again not many believers have taken responsibility for success not many believers have sat down come to a conclusion that they know that it is better to be successful than to be a failure it is more expedient for the kingdom to be successful than to be a failure if you have not made that decision today when you get back home sit down with god and say god there was a day that you said you put life and you put death right someone will say it's the day they got born again no it's not the day you got born again because god made it very clear he said life and what death then he now said what blessing and curse meaning there are two different things you may have the day that you chose life heaven bound this world is not my own i'm just a passerby yes but there must be a day in your life when you chose blessing i know when i chose blessing i know it started to show i stopped beating myself and i started celebrating in advance when I'm eating with small food, I'm celebrating. When I see a fine jeep, G-Wagon passing, I say, I'm coming. But the person who is grumbling and saying, look at them thieves, he has not chosen it. Because you can never criticize what you hope to get. So the fact that you are criticizing it is proof that you have never sat down to choose it. I know the day I chose it. So go back and say, Lord, you said there was a day you placed the two. Today, I choose it. It will show in the way you dress. <laughs> it will show in the friends you keep. The first reason why people fail is they have not consciously chosen to succeed. Do you remember ever making a conscious decision to succeed at life? Or whatever will be, will be. Let God's will be done. Mark chapter 11 verse 24. Mark chapter 11 verse 24. It says there, Therefore I say unto you, What things soever who desires? Is it God? When you pray. So before prayer there is desire. I see many people praying for things they've never desired. So that's a scam prayer. The proof that you have desired it is that when we say you should pray for it in church, it's a familiar prayer point because you prayed it at home. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, the number one reason why people fail is because they have never desired success. 
the number one reason why people fail they have not desired success we are going to be praying later and say from today lord i choose consciously to succeed from today i choose consciously to succeed how you will know is when people tease you for success you don't apologize oh boy this is your shoe fine oh now so we see him no no be so we see him now so we plan him we no see him we plan him this your hair fine now so we plan him it's not coincidence then you don't start apologizing now so we see him oh my brother all of us they man we are not all managing sir i waved it bye bye never apologize for success because it shows that you are you are sorry for being successful that means you like failure why would i apologize for success you are looking good we bless god i say it all the time sometimes when i see some ladies with beautiful hair and i say your hair is fine they say it's god i say so those who have ugly hair is he satan you got up and went to the salon is god and you The second reason, after you make a decision to succeed, after you make a conscious decision that from this day, I chose to be a success. This was the day I waved failure, Baba. The next thing that should happen or that you should be conscious of is pride. 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 Because once you make a decision to succeed, remember your decision is in response to an offer made by God. So immediately you dis decide what's the next thing to do. You go back to God. This is the difference between a hustler and a believer. Some of you can get up now and say, I've decided. I wave poverty goodbye. Then you go back and start hustling. And God looks and says, this is pride. Pride is any attempt to achieve God's results without God. Pride is any attempt to achieve the results of God, excluding God. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if I want to be successful on earth, it's because God is successful in heaven. If I want to live in a good house on earth, it's because God lives in a palace in heaven. If I want to enjoy health on earth, it is because God has never been sick. If I want a happy home, it's because Jesus is happily married to his bride. So everything I'm doing is in response to God. So my decision leads me back to God. Pride is when you attempt to achieve God's results outside of God. That you have chosen to succeed does not mean you will succeed. That you have decided to succeed does not automatically guarantee your success. Psalm 119 verse 19. You need God. Psalm 119 verse 19. I am a stranger in the earth. This verse has ministered to me so much. Hide not thy commandments from me. It is arrogance to think you know the laws of success. Simply because you have the desire to succeed. The psalmist here is saying, I found myself on earth. How many of you made an appointment with your parents to be born? You just woke up one day and saw yourself on earth. I'm a stranger here. Sorry, oh, how do they do things? You get to a place for the first time, you ask questions. I always used to laugh back in those days on campus when they, they are doing um, jambites, whatever. You will see a jambite, you will know he's a jambite. And they will not want to ask questions. You will now see them taking one long route. The first time I entered ABU, I wanted to go to KIL. 
do you know I entered from Northgate? Went to social sciences, went to education, then came back from Senate back to KIL. It was after a while I was like, You are a stranger in the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. It's arrogance to think you know the laws of success. No, sir. Psalm 127 and verse 1. Psalm 127 verse 1. Except the Lord build the house, they labor. The sad thing is that their labor is in vain. Except the Lord keeps the city, the watchman make it wicked but in vain. I'm saying this because after you make the decision to succeed, you must caution yourself and go back to the one who made the offer to make you succeed. Romans chapter 9 verse 16. Look, let's look at Genesis 11, 3 to 4. Don't look at it. The story of the Tower of Babel. They woke up one day and they decided to build a tower. Yes or no? Let us build. And God told them of a truth. Simply because you have made this decision to build, you will achieve it. But because there is a realm of the spirit, like Pastor Alpha said, that verse really blessed me that the, your adversary, the devil, number one, when did he become my adversary? I just was born. Another verse that always intrigues me. For we wrestle not. Sorry, sir. I was not told that I was in a fight. Paul speaking say on your behalf. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. I always say this jokingly with my wife. If they send a text to all of us now that there's a lion in Samaru, the lion has just been released. I hope you know after we share the grace, everybody's going to sit down here. Yes or no? Even if they said the lion passed here. It's like the lion has reached aviation. How many people will go home? Will you go home? The Bible says Satan is a lion released on the earth, walking around, and people wake up every morning and say they are off to work. There is a lion, sir. There is a lion, as in literally, there is a real lion. He may be in Samaru right now, and you are just strolling around, no gun, no nothing. You are a stranger in the earth. That's why we run back to God. That's why we run back to God. So, it takes humility to understand that though I have made this decision, I still need you, God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, act in the knowledge of Him and He shall direct your path. In all your ways, act in the knowledge of Him. Act knowing that He is. Make provision for God in your actions. Knowing fully well that there is a way that seemeth right to a man. But the end of that way are the ways of death. Pride. Which is why if you truly want to succeed, you must have a secret place. Men fail because they lack a secret place. The secrets of God are committed in the secret place. The third reason why men fail, apart from pride and a lack of desire, is ignorance. Ignorance. That you desire a thing and that God desires it does not mean it will automatically happen. That you desire something and God desires it does not mean it will automatically happen. How many of you here desire to be blessed? How many of you here desire to be influential? Does God desire it for you? Has it happened yet to the degree that you want? 
that means that desire alone from you and God will not guarantee it there has to be another component study 2 Timothy 2.15 study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needs not to be ashamed pause this scripture has blessed my life so much Paul is writing to Timothy here and he's saying that before you attempt to walk what should you do first? Study. Study to show thyself. Sorry, am I not approved by God? But he says, study to show yourself approved. Meaning, God has approved you. You are aware that you are approved. But even you, you are not yet sure that you are approved. Have you ever tried doing something for the first time? There is a way you do it. Even though you know you can do it. You know you have not been approved. So you do it carefully. Then when you have gained mastery, there's another way you do it. Study to show, not people, yourself. You see, the problem is many people study to show people. So you study to preach. You study to teach. But when you are studying to show yourself, do you know that many people that got A in a course, study to show the lecturer? Yes or no? And the proof is, when you ask them about that course the next day, they forgot it. Yes or no? So who did they study to show? You see why many workmen are ashamed? <laughs> I got A. That's good. But can you do it? Study to show yourself approved. A workman that does what? Need not to be ashamed. Meaning, in the absence of study, you will be walking under God, but shame will be present. The day I saw this scripture, God said, I told you that you are walking, that I approved you, does not mean shame will be absent. If you are walking under my approval, but you have not yet studied to show yourself, shame will be present, failure will be present. A workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Psalm 82, verse 5 says, They know not neither will they understand as a consequence of their ignorance the whole of the foundations of the earth are out of course if you read it further it says that the princes are walking on the bare floor and the servants are riding horses ignorance is a major cause of failure for many people true wisdom is a house built except the Lord builds a house but God is now saying as I'm building Wisdom is also building. By understanding, it is established. Question, does God have wisdom? Is God wisdom? Is God understanding? Is God knowledge? So who is he talking about? It's you. We are building this thing together. I am bringing 100% wisdom. You are bringing ignorance. It's partnership. And one of the antidotes for ignorance is study. The second antidote is exposure. Say exposure. Say exposure. The third antidote is mentorship. Personal study. Then public exposure. Then mentorship. Luke chapter 6 verse 39 and 40. A verse I love so much. Jesus speaking, he said, can the blind lead the blind? Yes, they can. Both will end up in failure. 
he now says that a disciple verse 40 is not greater than his master but everyone that is successful shall be as his master number one if you don't have a mentor you are already a failure Jesus speaking, he said, follow me and I will make you. Meaning it is not your responsibility to be made. It is the responsibility of your mentor to make you. Follow me. Your job is to follow. My job is to make you. So if you are not following anybody, will you be made? Will you be made? I find it surprising when people try to do something and cannot point out who has succeeded at that thing. It is the height of arrogance to assume you will get something right the first time. You are a stranger in the earth. Do you know that there are many things that we do casually in Koinonia? That it is simply because apostles showed the easy way to do it. Yes or no? Mentorship is God's system. For accelerated results primarily the mentorship of the Holy Spirit and the mentorship of men who have succeeded where you want to succeed Joshua chapter 1 and verse um, is it 8? no it's not 8 now I think it's towards the end let's see verse 1 and 8 I'll take it from there I want to show you something that God showed me at a point that was very instructive to me Joshua chapter 1 towards verse yes verse 11 verse 10 Joshua 1 10 watch this guys Joshua just had an encounter with God yes or no Moses my servant is dead God himself is speaking to Joshua he now tells Joshua that be strong be courageous you are going to possess the land you are going to divide it for my people watch this this is an encounter between god and joshua immediately after then joshua commanded the officers of the people saying let's go to the next verse verse 11 okay verse 12 and to the rubenites and to the gadites and to have the tribe of manasseh speak joshua saying next verse remember the word which moses the servant of the lord commanded you saying the lord your god had given you what rest what had god done to them and had given you this land next verse your wives your little ones your cattle shall remain in the land which moses gave you on this side jordan but ye shall pass before your brethren armed all the mighty men of valor and help them so he was talking to people who had already possessed their own land he comes out straight from an encounter with god where god told him i have called you you are going to do what moses said you should do I hope you know Moses laid hands on, on Joshua. It, this is what most people will do. God has spoken. They get up and because they saw God, thinking that all they need is God, is true. But God manifests himself through men. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and found favor with God and with man. Why would God need favor with people he created? Why would God need favor with his creation? He got up and went straight to men who had possessed the land men who had done what he was trying to do yes or no and he humbled himself and said guys god gave me an instruction watch what they said to him next verse 
verse 16. It says, And they answered Joshua, saying, All that thou commandest us, we will do. Verse 17. Verse 18, the last verse. I want you to see something very instructive. Verse 18. Look at what they said to him. Whosoever that doth rebel against thy commandment and will not hearken unto thy words in all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. What did they say to him? What did they say to him? And what? I want to ask, were they there when God spoke to Joshua? They know that the art of possessing land requires strength and God told Joshua three times, be strong and very courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Be strong and very courageous. He got that instruction three times. I heard God in my left ear three times. Or God, what you heard, God has told somebody before. When he came and told them, they said, no problem. Only be thou and very... What is a discovery to you is a principle to us. So as you are coming down from the mountains, sir, your revelation is somebody's lifestyle. Were they there when God told Joshua? But they said, this thing, this is how they do it. No, sir, I heard in my left ear. It, it doesn't matter. It's a principle. But pride <laughs> will not allow many people, excuse me, to seek out people who have the results they want. <coughs> You see this last thing that I'm saying casually. I'll wrap it up here. I need to plead with us because I have seen people suffer needless pain. You see this thing called mentorship. Mentorship is not a function of age. There's a joke I always crack with Pastor Alpha. I call him my Elihu. There's a reason. Job was suffering through many challenges. Job was the richest man in the land. Yes or no? Job was the closest person to God, according to Job. <laughs> according to Job, he was the closest person to God. Not according to God. <laughs> Watch these guys. When Job was going through his challenge and all his friends of stature were trying to advise him. They all gave good instruction, but it was not the voice of God. When they finished speaking, Elihu said something to Job. He said, once God speaks, man perceives it not. Twice God speaks, man perceives it not. Therefore, God now, in a vision by night, when men sleep, God puts instruction in their heart through dreams, through visions, and seals the instruction. Encounter instruction, but it is sealed. Job now said that, that God may draw the man from the pit. He now says God will send him a messenger, an interpreter, one amongst a thousand. Elihu was talking about himself. Elihu was saying, I am the one that is interpreting that sealed instruction to you. And God said that if that messenger does not come, you will waste and enter the pit. And immediately after Elihu stopped talking, God came in a whirlwind and continued talking. 
Meaning Elihu was the only person that could provide the platform for the speakings of God to be clear to Job. And Job was the most righteous man on earth. And that's why in Job chapter 42 said, I have heard of you with the hearing of the ears. Now I see you with the seeing of my eyes. But Elihu had been seeing God with the seeing of his eyes since. But Elihu could not talk because Elihu was a poor man. Because Job said in Job chapter 29 that when I passed, the nobles held their tongue. If the nobles are not talking, is it one riffraff boy somewhere that will be talking? So God had to bring Job down so that he can listen to the next move of God. If not, the world will have been fixated on Job when Elihu was the most current. You can be so successful and this is the last and final cause of failure for those who have succeeded before. It's not applicable to people who have never recorded success. Complacency and arrival mentality can be the reason why you fail. I'm saying this because we will all be great. But there's a posture you assume that will ensure your greatness is sustained. This is what happened to Lot. When he became successful, he left Abraham. Because he felt he was a big man and he lost everything. He escaped only with his two daughters, not even his wife. Mentorship requires humility. The humility to say we may be mates by course. We may be mates by practice. We may be mates by age, but by grace and election, we are not mates. Precious saints, if you address the issue of a lack of desire or recognition, if you address the issue of pride in your life, if you address the issue of ignorance by studying, by exposure and the humility to seek mentorship regardless of your personal experience with God it will be impossible for you to fail in life when you go back home this night I want you to write down every area that you need results and prayerfully ask God to show you the people whose reality is your dream Meaning, what you are dreaming and trusting God for is their reality. And ask God for the humility to engage those systems. God will never change this plan. I was studying the exodus of the children of Israel. How they got from Egypt to Sinai to Canaan. The fourth dimension of God that they saw was the dimension of an encounter with the body. The first dimension was the exchange, Passover night. They put the blood of a lamb, and by reason of the blood of the lamb, they were exempted. Even if you were an Egyptian, if you put the blood of a lamb on your lintel, you will come out. Because the Bible says when they came out, they were a mixed multitude. So some people just saw the blood, and they say, what are you doing? Say, is it the God that brought those frogs? They say, yes. Is it the God that turned night? They say, give me small of that blood. Just give me. Let me just put the blood. Whatever will happen will happen. And they escaped and God said dedicate your firstborns so that's the law of exchange or the law of surrender or salvation by the blood of a lamb the next thing we saw them do was they passed through Red Sea 
they passed through the Red Sea and the angel of the Lord's presence was with them by day and by night. As they came out of the Red Sea, the Bible says that Moses prophesied. Miriam sang. So it was the Red Sea that turned Moses into a prophet. And the Bible talks about the waters of Marah that were bitter and how they, God brought them to Elim by the, seven, the 12 oases at Elim. So there was the water, there was the spirit, the angel of the Lord's presence that provoked songs and prophecies. That's the baptism experience. Then the third dimension when they were suffering lack was that God gave them the food of angels. Mystery from heaven. They ate what angels ate. So God gave them mysteries of heaven to sustain them on earth. And the Bible says there was no lack. So the third encounter was encounter with mysteries. They say, what is this? And they say, every man ate according to his tent. So based on your capacity and your appetite for mysteries, you were sustained. And every day, you must pick fresh mysteries. The one of yesterday cannot take you today. That's the encounter with the word. Then the fourth dimension. After this, they murmured against God when there was lack. And God punished them. Because immediately after, the Amalekites came to kill them. They had been murmuring, but God never punished them. Because they were just born again. Or they had just encountered the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Or they were just encountering the mysteries of the kingdom. By the time you have the mysteries of the kingdom, if you complain, devil knows he's allowed to kill you. Because you have the mysteries of heaven to change your results. If you have been eating the bread of angels, why are you speaking like a normal man? If there's poverty in your life now, you have been listening to apostles' messages. It's not to say, God, why is my life like this? You package a seed. You dance a dance that is a mystery. Praise by night. You know what to do to come out. You have been eating the bread of angels. But immediately the Amalekites came up. And God wanted to bring them victory over the Amalekites. God introduced a new dimension. The fourth and the last dimension. He told Moses to stretch forth his hands. And Aaron and Earl held his hands. And Joshua went down to the valley to fight. And when Moses was tired, Aaron and Earl helped him. And any time Moses was tired, Joshua lost. God was teaching them the mystery of the body. How that our success is related. No matter how skillful Joshua is, if Moses' hand goes down, Joshua goes down. No matter how strong Moses is, is Aaron and Hor don't hold him, they are going down. If you cannot identify people within the body that carry what you need for your victory, you will suffer. It was after these four dimensions of revelation were given that God in Exodus chapter 19 said, You saw how I bear you on eagle's wings. And I said, Come up to Sinai. Let me show you the blueprint for Canaan. Because you have had an encounter with the blood. An encounter with the spirit, an encounter with the word, and an encounter with the body. You are now qualified for an encounter with me. This is the last and final dimension that I feel is really lacking in the body of Christ. We don't know how to discern men. Shortly after Jethro now came, the next verse, next chapter, Jethro came and said, Moses, you mean you are the one seeing all these people one by one? You will die for nothing. Better appoint men. So he appointed some over a hundred. Some over a thousand. Those were the same men he prayed on that his honor was upon them. It was Jethro that suggested it to Moses, not God. 
But who was speaking through Jethro? God. This is the last and final reason why men fail. And I thank God that Pastor Alpha really rested on that. So it's obvious God is drumming it. Your victory is somebody's testimony. Humble yourself and learn how they got it. Let's rise to our feet. Hold the hand of the person next to you. We are going to pray one prayer and one prayer alone. You will ask God one prayer and one prayer alone. Lord, my destiny helper within the body of Christ help me discern honor and engage them begin to pray my destiny helper within the body of Christ help me to identify help me to discern help me to honor help me to engage in jesus name we pray in jesus name listen second prayer you will pray oh god what you put in me for the body of christ let it begin to speak now in the name of jesus what you put in me that is supposed to bless the body of christ what i'm supposed to supply to my local church let it begin to speak in jesus name we pray very quickly you are here you are not born again you are not even a member of this awesome body this glorious system called the body of christ i want you to very quickly if you are in overflow one and overflow two make your way to the altar you want to surrender your life to jesus or you are not sure if you are born again you are not sure of eternal salvation you are not sure whether you have surrendered your life to jesus at any point in the past make your way quickly to the front we want to bring you into an experience with jesus and welcome you into this body of christ very quickly you want to give your life to christ you want to rededicate your life make your way very quickly there has to be someone here clap for them as they make their way you want to surrender your life to jesus you want to say oh god i'm tired of failure 
I'm tired of failure. Make your way quickly, quickly. You are in overflow one, overflow two. Make your way very quickly. God bless you, my brother. Don't let anybody stop you. Make your way very quickly to the front. Make your way very quickly. Very quickly. I'm waiting for those of you who are still trying to decide. It's the best decision you can make. Make your way very quickly to the front. Let's lead you to Christ. Look at me. I want to congratulate you. This is the best decision you can make to hand over your life to Jesus. So just say after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I come before you to the foot of the cross. And I ask that you forgive me of my sins. You cleanse me with your blood. And you give me your life. From today, I am born again. Thank you, Father. Lord, I pray for your children and I ask that even as they have come forward, let your spirit enter them. Let a new life enter them. Let them carry away from today. Their life changes forever. They are born again. Their sins are forgiven. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. If you look behind you, there's a lady waving her hands. Now that you're born again, now that you're saved, just go and meet her and they will attend to you. Please let's celebrate them. Hallelujah. Amen. We believe you are mightily blessed. To connect with the ministry and get more from Apostle Joshua Selman, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Koinonia ENI. To stream Koinonia live, go to mixler.com forward slash And download the teachings on koinoniasermons.org. For questions and inquiries, call 0814-721-4444 or 0907 777 